Welcome to the Defend the North podcast. I'm your co-host, Dana Eisfeld, and I'm joined today by the man who can't decide who is aging more like fine wine, his 40-year-old cousin and podcast co-host, or 40-year-old twins, D.H. Nelson Cruz. The man who had divorce papers drawn up after another epically awful performance by the Wolves last night against a severely undermanned Pacers team. And the man who thinks we might need to consider renaming our beloved soccer team, Minnesota United, to Boca Juniors North. And that's the man that I call my cousin Isaac. Cuz, what's going on? By the way, you're aging so gracefully. So I got to say, you're you're doing great. Maybe, Maybe not as good as Nelson Cruz, but you're doing great. You're doing great. I don't know. I'm hitting a home run or hitting a grand slam and having it be a foul ball and coming back and knocking it out of the park, the like, fastest exit velocity in Twins history. I mean, that's a high standard to live up to. But you know what? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're doing fine. You're, you're dealing with two little kiddos, so you, you hit home runs every day, man. Well, my wife and I are dealing with two little kiddos, to be fair. There we go. Okay. Yeah. It's <laughs> one-on-one on, one on one staffing ratio in this house. <laughs> yeah, so how about that Nelson Cruz guy? He's off to a, a hot start, huh? Well, he's... Isaac going to be the guy that we're featuring tonight in our, in our player spotlight. So Nelson Cruz, um, 40 years old, he was signed in the 2019 season and he's, he's been everything we've wanted and more. Yeah, definitely. Um, he's provided everything offensively. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you put this guy in the field and he somehow hits, uh, you know, quote unquote home runs in the field, but I, I could see it. Watching the game the other day, he he even has wheels still at the at the young age of forty. So he turned. I believe they called it dad speed. Dad speed? Yeah. Well. Yeah. When when Polanco hit that double and he came around from first to home and he, you know, stepped on home plate. That that's I that's what I think they called it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All I know is is he was trucking and and helped win that game for us. So. Well, I can I can tell you one thing, Isaac. When I try to initiate dad speed, I hurt the next day. <laughs> So, so good for good for Nelson Cruz at forty being able to get a get get around to to score on a double from first. <laughs> Most definitely. So, what what do you think this guy does for us in the in the dugout? He seems like he seems like quite the guy to to lead this Twins team. I think he is. I, I think he's got a lot of charisma. And my friend John Alexander pointed this out to me um, last year. You know, you get a guy like Maurer, and Maurer always led by his example on the field. But he wasn't a fiery guy. You know, you get into the post-game press conference with Joe Maurer, and you could pretty much expect the same version of him every night. He was no Sergio Romo, and he's certainly not a Nelson Cruz. <laughs> he's and a Minnesotan. Say, he's a Minnesotan. Yeah, understated. <laughs> understated is the word. But Nelson Cruz just seems to be the kind of guy at this point in his career. I mean, he's 40 years old, right? This is the cherry on top part of his career. And he's having fun. And you think about he's been to two World Series. He's been to three League Championship Series, four Division Series, a couple of wild card rounds. And... You know, long before he came to Minnesota, like, I think he just built, um, he, he has the kind of experience. He's been in the league since, what, 2005? And he's sort of a, a throwback. And I just, I think he brings this t- young team together, relatively young team. I think he's he's a glue guy. And and in addition to his production on the field, I I think when you substitute him in for a guy like Maurer as the veteran presence, it, it, it feels like... It, it's not that big of a surprise that we jumped the way we did in 2019 to 101 wins. Yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want to be led by a guy with the nickname of Boomstick? I mean, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So yeah, I mean, like you start off the pod with this this guy ages like fine wine. I mean, he he's been getting better with age, which is just incredible. So yeah, he's got a 17 17 years in the league. And I'm going to really only look at 13 years cuz his first 4 years he didn't really like play a ton. So I'm kind of looking at um years that he's played more than 100 games basically. But he's averaged in those 13 years a 280 batting average along with 395 home runs, which averages out to about 33 home runs a year. And then also 1,070 RBIs over that, those 13 years. So we're talking about 89 per year. Those are some pretty solid numbers. I mean, middle-of-the-order middle hitter. I mean, that's, that's fantastic. Since, since 2013 alone, um, he's had five all-star appearances. And then he's also been top 10 in AL MVP voting five years as well. Um, and had four Silver Slugger awards. So this guy's done it over, you know, a pretty decent period of time. But even just like with the idea of him getting better with age, he he led the league in home runs at the age of 33. For I never knew he played for uh, a Baltimore. Did you? Yeah, I was looking that up in my. Um, it was what two seasons? I think it was one. Yeah, it was a nice run with him though, and. You know, wherever he's gone, right, Texas, Baltimore, Minnesota, he's just produced. He's just a guy that he goes up to bat and he can bat for average. Like, if you think about the, the, what he's done with the Twins, he batted 311 in 2019. He bats 303 last year. And given in the modern age, as we talked about in the last podcast with the analytics, you get a lot of guys hitting a lot of home runs, striking out a lot, not hitting for average. What I love about him is he's, he's a kind of a throwback slugger. His um, slugging percentage is high. His on-base percentage is high. He's batting, you know, as you said, 280 career, but a lot of years above 300. And Isaac, if you look at his cumulative stats from 19, the shortened season in 2020, and now these first set of games in, in 2021, and he's played 178 games for the Twins, a little more than a full season. So just, you know, 16 games more than a full season, 60 home runs, 148 RBIs, a 313 batting average, 396 on base percentage, 214 hits, 118 runs. This sounds like Kirby Puckett on steroids. <laughs> Is he on steroids? <laughs> I'm not suggesting that. I just know that, like, you know, you think about him versus Josh Donaldson and, like, two of the key acquisitions by Falvey in the last few years. And you said in the last podcast. Yeah, like you know, you got to start really got to start worrying about Donaldson. Like is, is you know, but with 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 Nelson Cruz between the leadership and and what he's been able to produce on the field, I mean, I think this was a fantastic signing and he's made a huge difference the last few years for these Twins. And and you know, speaking of that grand slam that we talked about at at the at the onset of the pod, he actually the uh the exit velocity I believe was on the second home run that he hit that game that he just golfed out of the park. I mean, it just <laughs> it was like it came out of the pitcher's hand that 15 to 6 win we had on was it Monday against Detroit and he yeah. hits that grand he hits that foul ball almost grand slam, then he hits the grand slam, then he comes back and he hits another home run and uh it didn't go as far but it felt a little bit like Jim Tomey back in 2011. Mm -hmm. I was at a game against the Royals when he hit a home run off the American flagpole out and right. And, yeah. you know, I thought it was going to bounce and hit the wave. Like, you know, that, that wind veil at the entrance that makes the waves and shimmers. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, Jim Tomey at that point was kind of in the twilight of his career too, but we've kind of shown a penchant the last decade or so and, and bringing in guys that maybe a lot of teams didn't um, think had a lot left in the tank, but with a guy like Cruz, he certainly has had some left in the tank. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we just need this guy in the lineup. How, how can we, how can we get him in the lineup more? Like when we, 
go to the National League side. Let's let's get him back in the field somehow so he can just hit some balls. I mean, ten years ago he was, I mean he was he was a pretty decent right fielder. Is there any way we can bring that back? <laughs> show that show well, that youth at forty. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> didn't we try Sano and right? Uh, you gonna bring down this segment with Sano? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but you're right because he. He had, you know, I was looking at his stats for 2021. He had three home runs. I mean, this doesn't count today's game against Seattle, but he had three home runs, seven hits, seven ribbies, and basically three games yeah. against Detroit. I think he got a couple of plate appearances against uh, um, uh, Milwaukee, Prob- yeah. probably when we didn't have to substitute him, you know, towards the end of the game. But I don't know. I mean, the way he ran around the, the bases the other night when Polanco uh, knocked him in, maybe he could, <laughs> maybe he does got a little bit of. Uh, Glove game left in him. I don't know. Is it, this is this a standard schedule this year? Like, are we playing the typical number of interleague games as opposed to like the heightened number we played last year because of COVID? Do you I'm, know? I'm actually not sure of that. I, I know we're playing a full 162 game season, but I don't know the breakdown. Well, it's nice, you know, a six. He like you said, top ten in All Star voting ten times, a six time All Star, and a guy that at 38, 39, and 40 seems to still be in the prime of his life. It reminds me a lot of myself. <laughs> oh, I wasn't supposed to laugh there. My bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Isaac, that's our um, that's our player spotlight for this week. Nelson Cruz, just somebody you know. The, the Twins' first uh, six or seven games that is just really bringing it, and I, I I couldn't be more impressed. I couldn't be less impressed with the Timberwolves, though. <laughs> <laughs> Good lead in, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, um, um, it, it it has been exciting though that that D'Angelo Russell's back. Yeah, definitely. It kind of it it adds a element that you forget that we have with D'Lo. Um, he's just really crafty on offense. And does he take a lot of bad shots? Still, yeah. But there's some shots he takes, and he had some in the Indiana game even that it's like, man, how did he make that? Like he's just he he can be like a magician at times. But then again, you look at the box score after the game, and he's shooting like 33 percent from the field, and it's like, oof. But his first game back, he he's he's crushing it. He definitely helped us win that game against Sacramento. Well, he had twenty five points in twenty five minutes against the Kings, and was it fourteen in the fourth quarter when we came back and 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 won that game after yeah. they had stole the game? They had stolen a game from us earlier in the year with the fourth quarter comeback. But he looked really, as opposed to Beasley, you know, on his return had to knock the rust off for a couple of games. Russell came back and was uh, raining threes. Yeah, I mean there was there was almost no like. He didn't miss a beat, so that was great to see. Beasley, on the other hand, we got the awful news a few days ago, out with a hamstring, four to six weeks. So where does that put him for the rest of the year? Well, if he's out for six weeks, that takes us all the way to the offseason. I guess the hopeful thing would be in four weeks, that basically leaves us about seven-ish games of the season, so... It would be nice to see him back for those seven games to see if we could, you know, see him with D'Lo and Cat. But knowing our luck, uh, someone someone else is probably going to be hurt by then. <laughs> well, you remember at the beginning of the season, and this is like kind of before Edwards' emergence, but we were like, we had uh, Russell and Beasley, and we're like, man, if we could just get Towns back. And then we get Towns back, and, you know, Russell had gone down. And then we get, you know, we're we're on the, the, the precipice of getting Russell back, and we're like, man... We're going to have Towns and Beasley, and Russell's coming back, and Edwards has emerged. And we had talked about it in the episode 
um, our in our pod a couple of episodes ago about what that might look like in the in the Finch offense. And I I, I was looking at this Isaac, and it it's interesting because Russell does have games where he's like five for fifteen versus Indiana, and then games where you know he hits four three pointers in the fourth quarter and, and leads a fourth quarter comeback against the the the, the Kings. But think about this uh, three point shooting, right? So, and granted, these guys haven't played together, so the volume of shots probably wouldn't be the same if they were all on the court. But Russell is 40% on 7.4 shots per game. Towns is 38% this year on six attempts per game. And Beasley is 40% on nine attempts per game. And if you put those guys together and then you got a guy that can get to the, the, the basket the way that, that Edwards can, and I just would really like to see those four players together and then throw in... Jaden McDaniels and 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 their bench and see what we have like ru- let's 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 run it back but we just haven't been I don't know if it would be the difference between us as Jim Peterson said the other night if this team was healthy the whole year he thought we would be a playoff contender and we would need 13 more wins to be in the 10 spot right now I'm not sure that'd be possible but man I'd like to see Russell and and Towns and Beasley and Edwards together playing yeah wouldn't that be nice at this point it's almost like I feel like we have a an injury curse in the franchise. Um, uh oh, and uh, I, 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 Isaac, I, I feel it. It's coming. I think I gotta go go on a rant sesh with this. But uh, let, let me take you let me take you all the way back to 2011-2012. So this is the first year the Spanish sen- sensation Ricky Rubio comes to town, bringing his fancy passes and and his rookie year, he gets injured in just about two thirds into the year which at that point were above 500, which I know we're like barely above 500. I think it's like two games, but for the Timberwolves, that's, that's a pretty good win. And he gets injured in that LA game, knocking knees with Kobe, rest in peace. And then from that point on, we would proceed to go five and 21 without Ricky Rubio. Now we lost Kevin Love towards the end of that year as well. But then these, these injuries continue the next year in 2012, 2013, Ricky's still coming back from his injury. So we don't have him. Kevin Love is in and out of the lineup because he got hurt at the end of the year. He plays only 18 games that year. So no Ricky, or not much Ricky, and not much Kevin Love in 12-13, lost year. 13-14, we actually have somewhat of a healthy season. And guess what? It's one of our best seasons we had with Kevin Love. We were 40 and 42. Yeah, 40 40 wins. The best season with him, right? You said. Yep, best season. But even that year, we had Pekovic, who missed the last third of the year. Nicola, Nicola. Now he's not like, he's no star in the league, but let me tell you, he was impactful on the team and we needed him. And so another injury that affected us, 2014, 2015, we have three guys, Ricky Rubio, Kevin Martin, and Pekovic again, who all miss 40 or more games each. Okay. Going to 15, 16, another year, we don't have many injuries, but guess who we're led by? Three twenty-year-olds, Cat, ah. Wiggins, Levine. That's not that's not going to lead to much success. Moving to the next year, 2016, 2017, We have a pretty, you know, it's kind of a rebuild year because we still have the young guys. Levine's having a great year. Goes down after forty-seven games. Well, now we don't get to see how that one ends. Seventeen, eighteen, which is our a great year. You know, we get Jimmy Butler. Um, we're actually pretty successful. How good of a team were we that year? We were we were up to like a three or four seed at some point during the year. 
Just after the Christmas holidays, we were number three seed in the West. Guess what happens? Jimmy Butler gets hurt. Okay, our best player goes out. We we go from the third or fourth seed all the way down to the eighth seed, playing the Houston Rockets, who was one of the hottest teams that year, out in the first round. Okay, go to the next year, 18-19. Now, this isn't as much of an injury deal, but more just like completely messed up from all the Jimmy Butler crap that went on. That year was just lost from the get-go. Okay, now we go to 1920. This is just a complete roster overhaul. This is where we trade everybody. We basically get D'Lo and Beasley. And this is also the year that's shortened from COVID. Well, how many years do D'Lo, or how many games do D'Lo, Beasley, and Cat play in that first year? Five? One. Together? One? Oh. One game. Cat's out for, he plays one game with them, and then he's out the rest of the year. Okay, then we have COVID. Okay, then we come back in, in this year, and you just explained it. Like, we start the year, D'Lo's out. Okay, no D'Lo. D'Lo comes back. Cat hurts his wrist. Now Cat's out. Cat comes back for a little bit after his wrist is, is better, and then he gets COVID. So now we're without Cat again. And then we, we move on, and Cat returns, and now D'Lo hurt his, what was it, a knee? He gets hurt. Okay. So now we just have Cat and Beasley. Oh. Beasley had his off the f- off the court trouble in the off season. Now now he's suspended. Okay, now it's just Cat. Oh, we're excited. Delo's coming back. Oh, Beasley's out with a hamstring for possibly the rest of the year. How many games did did do you think did uh, Delo, Cat, Beasley, and Edwards play together this year? Well, Beasley missed fourteen. Towns twenty. Russell thirty. Edwards has played in every game this year, so I, my guess would be zero. Okay, it's actually higher than that, but it's still very low. Three games. Three games we've seen our core play together. Not to say our core is like gonna, you know, bring us a championship, but the fact that we have only seen three games with our core together and they weren't like games right after each other to know how they're gonna gel. That's unbelievable. So, Isaac, you're right about all of this, and you just built the case for Glenn Taylor's get out of jail free card. <laughs> I take it all back then. I don't. I don't want him to to hear any of this because he he needs to go. <laughs> I mean, I, Saunders probably would have gone anyway. But we talked about this in, in in one of our our first podcasts. But he 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 just he never had any luck. And I, you know, a team like the Timberwolves can't afford. We have such little room for error on the margins. Whether we give a bad contract, um, like we did to Wiggins. Yeah. Or we face injuries because when you're in the mid market, like, you know, it it's tough to get guys to want to come here, and it's tough to get young guys that come up with you to want to stay here. So then, if you're also plagued by the injury bug, which we certainly have been, and you know, a lot of franchises have right. faced similar, maybe not to this degree and this consistently over a decade. I feel like you're building the case for some type of curse that might need someday to be broken. We're gonna have to come up with a nickname for it. <laughs> We'll have to we'll have to do some uh, some brainstorming on that. Yeah, stuff. Yeah, and I I, I kind of feel bad too for um, just the front office because you want to know like what do you do at the trade deadline? What do you do in the off season? Well, yeah. I certainly think that they're going to have to uh, evaluate our defensive coordinator Vanderpool and and decide because you can't give up 141 points to a team that's down three of their four best players, right? And the way we played against Houston and yada, yada, yada. But going back to, you know, your rant sesh and 
it would be very difficult to evaluate does this franchise have a chance with the core that we've built to succeed at least at least get into the or be in contention for the playoffs yeah you know and i think we do and most timberwolves fans that i talk to like the core is like you know cuz you see glimpses of it i mean towns has been since the all-star break mr consistent i mean yeah. in this finch offense finch has unleashed a version of him that i think that it's like even a little, like maybe a half step above of where he, I've seen him go before yeah. because of his passing and because of the way he's being used and his versatility. But then you see, you know, games where Beasley takes over, games where Edwards takes over, games against the Sacramento Kings where Russell takes over. And you're like, if you could put that all together into a, into, in, into a five to ten game stretch, it'd be far easier to evaluate if we've got something that we can build on here or if we need to go in a different direction. Right. Well... At this point, it's looking like we're going to have to wait till next year, which uh, is becoming an all-too-often uh, thing to say with the Timberwolves. So, <laughs> Well, you know, at, at least we're bookending the Timberwolves with two franchises that you don't have to say wait till next year because they seem, you know, the, 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 the Twins, and, and, and we're going to get into the um, Minnesota United preview, but those are two franchises that are their down years, certainly, but do they consistently, uh, and, you know, with the United, it's been a smaller sample size, proven to be successful. I think the, the, the answer to both of those franchises is yes. And with that, um, we're going to come back from break and, and talk about the Minnesota United and their season preview. Okay, we're back and we're going to talk about the Minnesota United and they have their season opener next week against the Seattle Sounders on, on April 16th. And this is year number five for the Loons. You know, probably really the last two years have been the years they've been relevant because 2017, 2018, you know, were the inaugural years of the franchise and we were not great. Um, in fact, <laughs> to say it we nicely. Said, well, we set a league record for goals allowed in 2017 and we broke our own record a year later and we conceded 141 goals over our first two seasons. So, um, I mean, but you, you take that and then you juxtapose it to what happened in 2019, right? We finished 15, 11, and 8. And we were out in the first, we did make the playoffs. We were out in the first round, but we did make the U.S. Cup finals. We lost to Atlanta in the, in the championship. And that was an exciting year because that, that was also, was that, that was the first year that we played at Allianz Field in St. Paul, right? We had two years at TCF Bank Stadium. Yep. Does that that sounds right? Yep, I believe so. And that place alone is is a sight to behold. What do you like about Allianz Field? I like how like intimate it is. It's it's not a big stadium. You don't get lost in it. Everyone has a great seat, and it's kind of tight knit. And then you got the Wonder Wall, which I mean, if no one knows what that is, it's basically just a section on one end of the field where there's a ton of people chanting and singing. And every, they're standing the entire time, and it's it's really a party. It's a party the entire time, and it's just it's a fantastic experience. But we'll talk about that later. We'll get we'll get we'll talk about that towards the end of well, this segment. And that was you know as a, as a fan in 2019, and then into 2020. Um, I mean, of course, it was a, a COVID shortened year, and we finished nine, five, and seven both years in 19 and in 2020. We finished fourth in the West after finishing um, ninth in 2017 and 10th in, in, in 2018. 
And then last year was really exciting, Isaac, because we made the conference finals. We beat Colorado in the first round, 3-0, and we beat Sporting Kansas City, 3-0. And we ended up losing to the Seattle Sounders, 3-2. How did that go down? <laughs> well, nothing like uh, losing the game in like 15 minutes. Felt pretty good about that game pretty much for its entirety. And then Seattle's just good. I mean, they're experienced. They've been there. Their coach is, is smart, smart as hell, so... We just got outworked. Our team looked tired. So hopefully uh, hopefully with some of these additions they've got, we can kind of change that tide. But yeah. Well, it is exciting, though, because this franchise, at least at the MS- MLS level, has been around for four years. In two years, we've made the playoffs. And we've really mm-hmm. kind of established a reputation for a defensive-minded, like, hard-nosed team. And, you know, in the games that I've been at Allianz Field watching, that's what I see. It, there hasn't been a ton of goal scoring other than maybe the last third of last year. But in 2019, we were plus one, 53-52. And then last year, we were minus two, 34 to 36 goals against. And this team hasn't been a high-scoring team, but it's been the kind of team that, you know, we we compete. We have good defense. We've had some solid goaltending the last couple of years. And um, I'm, just, I'm looking forward to this because after the U.S. Cup Finals in 19 and the Western Conference Finals last year, not to mention... You know, in the MLS is back tournament that opened up last year in Orlando, we made the semifinals mm-hmm. after beating Columbus and San Jose. We went down to Orlando uh, last year. Was a, even though it was a kind of a COVID year, it was a pretty fun year for the wild for the Loons. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was a very fun year. Um, I definitely <laughs> missed being at the stadium, but I still, yeah, they, they improved upon their year before. So, I mean, we can only go up from here, right? They, they, they're basically bringing back the same team. It's just kind of you mentioned it. We've we've had a we've we've had difficulty putting the ball in the net. So that's going to be the biggest the biggest thing if we can see improvement on. Now we saw a lot of improvement, kind of as you mentioned already towards the end of the year last year, and I think a lot of that had to do with the addition of Reynoso. I mean that guy's a a, a magician. I mean I feel like we've used that word with different people, whether it's Kaprizov or I might may have even used it with Delo's shot making at times, but he truly is pretty magical. Um, he's very heavy left foot dominant, dominant, but it's weird. You think like teams would would gear up for that and know he's going to use his left, yet he somehow finds his way and gets passes off, gets shots off. Like it's pretty incredible. This guy, and he's young. He's twenty six. So, how long can we so, keep him here? <laughs> yeah, it really was. You know, on the on the offensive side of the ball. Um, the the last third of last year was the most exciting soccer I've seen in Minnesota. And then in particular, that playoff run where we, yep. we win two games and we end up losing in a, in a pretty disappointing um, Western conference finals to Seattle, but Emmanuel Reynoso. So he comes from, from South America. He played for Boca juniors. He's a midfielder, but to me, he's sort of like a, a Robin load Like he's a midfielder, but he's kind of like a forward too. Sure. I mean, he's, a, he, he can, he gets the ball in the middle of the field, but he creates a lot of opportunities for the wings, you know, as they're approaching the 18. And, you know, we were finally able to bring him to Minnesota last year after a very extended courtship. And we know how it is in soccer. You can be going after a guy for, for years and years and the negotiations between clubs and then other clubs swoop in, but we finally got him. He started 13 matches. He had not, or he played in 13 matches, had nine starts and in the regular season alone, he had uh, one goal and six assists. So he led the MLS in assists per 90 minutes, 0.65. Mm-hmm. 
and expected assists per 90 at 0.42. And then you look, Isaac, at what he did in the playoffs. Uh, so I'll tell you the goals. You tell me what you saw. He played in three games, as I mentioned. He had one goal and he had seven assists, right? So he was involved in eight different scoring opportunities in three in three matches. What did you see with him last year in, in the last 30 year and then as we made our, our run into the playoffs? I mean, he's definitely the, the focal point of, of what we do as a team. I mean, everything went through him. He he kind of brought everyone up, whether it was Lode or it was Molino. Like, he totally enhanced their gameplay. And you could see with, with the output that Molino had, like, he was able to get really good through balls or just get balls exactly where he needed them to put them in the back of the net. So, I mean, this guy, like, he's he's everything we do with, with our attack. And you could tell that, you know, how, how we scored towards the end of the year that he's pretty successful at doing it. Well, that was the first time I think, and, you know, and I've been a little bit late to the bandwagon with the Minnesota United. I really, you know, when I started going to games back in 2019, but I, I've gotten excited about them principally because they've been a defensively minded, hard nosed team, as I mentioned before. But if you see that offense start coming, I, I think this could help the team. I mean, we weren't great last year. Western conference finals was a, was a, it, it was a nice run. I mean, how many twins or how many uh, Minnesota franchises make it to the, the conference finals in their respective sport? doesn't happen very often. No. Yeah. Um, and especially in a year in, in the, in the pandemic year of 2020, it was a, a little bit of excitement we were able to enjoy. So you're talking about the way Reynoso is setting up players on the attack. What do you like about our wing players this year? Yeah, I mean the the one for sure would be Robin Robin Lode. I mean, I was I'm going to be honest, I was out on this guy from the get go. I I did not like him one bit. He's not fast. He just kind of is a bowling ball that that moves people around. And I think he was kind of misplaced too. I think we started him on the left side on the left wing. And uh, once we got Reynoso, or maybe it was slightly before Heath, the manager moved him to the right side just to kind of like enhance his, cause he's a lefty. So he can kind of come in and attack the goal. And then he's got a strong foot on the open side of the field. So that seemed to work a lot, a lot more. He, uh, he was able to score more goals and be more, more crafty on that side. And the connection between him and Reynoso just like grew from there. So I really like him on the right side. Um, I also really like Finlay, but I don't really know Unfortunately, with with load and how well he's done, I don't I don't know where where Finlay fits. Now, we're gonna need depth, of course. Like this this is gonna be kind of a condensed season, and there's a lot of international duty coming up. So, even if load's gone on international duty, it'll be nice that Finlay can step up there in his place. What What's great about Finlay is he's a constant hustler. Like he gives you he can give you 90 minutes where he's running hard. On the left side, I think is is the question mark. Um, that's where we had Molino. Who, uh, who left in the offseason and went to Columbus. I think we're still finding the fit there. Now, um, I did hear Heath. Uh, I listened to a podcast with Heath on it, and uh, he spoke very highly of this Nico Hansen kid we just signed. So he was saying that this kid looks like he's got a goal in him, which is just kind of a neat, neat way to say it. But I guess he's, he's very pacey. And... Uh, It'll be interesting to see what kind of effect he has on the lineup. I still think we're going to bring someone in on that side, though. And I don't know who that is. I don't know if, if – I think you sent me a name. Um, I, don't, I don't know if that's someone that's truly going to be coming in or not. Like you said, these signings can be a little weird in, in soccer. So, Well, the guy that I sent you, he was a, a former teammate of Reynoso's. 
And a guy we're going to talk about, Ramona Bila. His name is Franco uh, Fragapene at Boca Juniors down in Buenos Aires, um, Argentina. We seem to have be developing a bit of a pipeline there. But yeah. you know, getting back to Hanson, you know, he was acquired in the, in a trade with Houston in the off season, and you know, um, he said, you know, he he talked. Whenever a coach talks, like brings up, you know, in a forty-five minute discussion, a, a guy three or four different times, he's seeing something. He's yep. quick on the ball. He wants to be making plays inside the eighteen. He knows the league. He's a veteran. He's, he, you know, he's been great in the preseason as a as a winger midfielder, and he just goes in on the attack. And I think if you pair him alongside of a guy like Reynoso, you might see the same type of um, playmaking that we got out of Load last year. And I. I is he your starting uh, left winger? I'm not sure. But is he a guy that's going to bring you depth? Probably, yeah, right? Definitely. And what, what about Ramon Abila? Where do you think he fits in at, at, at the center forward position? Yeah, so I mean, watching the highlights on this guy, it's it, he's, <laughs> in my opinion, pretty unimpressive. He's just kind of like, he's built really thick. He's got really broad shoulders. Not much speed or flashiness. But, I mean, you look at this guy's stats... And they're they're pretty they're pretty remarkable. I mean, he he basically has a goal a, a goal average every other game, and and now he has been injury prone, which kind of makes me skeptical because it's like, well, we just kind of like we just lost someone who was really injury prone, who was our top goal scorer, and now we're replacing him with an injury prone goal scorer. So it's like that leaves me a little uneasy. But if he can stay on the field, I mean, he has. He already has a, a built connection with Reynoso. They played together at Boca Juniors, so that's already built. We don't have to worry about that forming over time. They're already buddies, and he's also played for—I mean, he's played for Boca Juniors, which is probably the top club in Argentina. So he has experience on like the highest scale in South America, and it's been a really good league. So he's he's used to pressure. He's used to right. know, ha- having to score when like he's the best team in the league. All eyes are on that team. So I, I like I like the signing. I don't think it's a flashy signing. I, d- I don't expect him to be like Joseph Martinez on Atlanta United. You know, like that kind of signing. But if he can stay on the field, he's going to be solid for us. We're not going to miss Molina one bit. So our, our soccer fans know what Boca Juniors is, but for those of you listening that are tuning in for the the, the Twins or the Timberwolves, uh, they're basically one of the best uh, soccer clubs in all of South American football, and they've won 34 Primera Division championships and 14 domestic cups. And they just they the guys that go through their system produce. And I do like the fact though that you know Heath talked about him and Isaac. You mentioned that he is injury prone. He has that chemistry with Renault, so he's so he's gonna need to stay in the field, but you know, headers, trappers, corners, strike. Like this guy, this guy has a, a pretty versatile offensive um, arsenal. And you know, I start thinking about him, and then you got Nico Hansen and you got Robin Lode and with Renoso setting guys up, like how much do you think we're gonna miss Molino? Because he was pretty special in that playoff run last year um in the in the Western Conference. Like what do you, I think he had like six goals? Yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think it, it's kind of recency bias. I feel like with him, because like, was it was he special, especially towards the end of the year with Renoso? Yes, I would have loved to see where that went. But we also have to remember this guy like couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, like he, he missed all, forty. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah, like like he was always he was always missing time, and he yeah he only played one full thirty game season in the four in in four years that he was with us. 
So, like, that's a lot of time for a top goal scorer. It is kind of odd, though. Molino, when, since he came to the U.S., he's always been with Adrian Heath, the manager. So he's, he's officially ending a 10-plus year run with Adrian Heath. So I think they're officially breaking up. Well, I, he has, like I said, we're not, I don't think we're going to miss him. I really don't. He's missed 49% of his games when he was available as a, uh, a player for Minnesota United. So it's hard to miss a guy that we were already missing half the time. Right. That's, um, that's why. That's why I think like it's it's recency bias. Like we we see him leaving, and it's like, oh no! Like how how can we not keep one of our best goal scorers? And it's like, yeah, he was our best goal scorer towards the end of the year last year, but otherwise he wasn't on the field that much. So 2019 and 2020, I think, have really set us up in in 2021. We've been good defensively. We were good. You know, we've talked about the offensive side of the ball. I, I think that there might be an opportunity, particularly if we make another signing or two. This guy, Franco Fragapene, that I, I texted you about, who also was a teammate of um, Abila's and Reynoso's at Boca Juniors. And it sounds to me like what the front office is they're hunting. Like they, they don't mm-hmm. think that their attack is is fully formed yet. And I, I would look for the loons to be in pursuit of of more offensive players to, to complete this team. Defensively, that has kind of been our calling card, at least the last couple of years. Which has been a, a bit of a, a surprise, I think, in the league that after you know just three years, the third and fourth year of the franchise, we were able to do as well defensively as we have, and that starts a lot with goaltending. Mm-hmm. So in 2019, who was your man? Vito. Vito <laughs> Manoni. Um, he was voted goalkeeper of the year. He had 1.29 goals against, uh, 75.7 save percentage. 15, 11, and 8, um, his record. And, and, you know, he goes back, he's a, a European guy. But, you know, after those two first years of the franchise, I think we recognized we needed to have somebody net-minding that knew what he was doing, that could make plays. And I don't know, do you remember all those games that we went to back in 2019 in the Wonderwall? And especially when the the, the loons were on our side, of the, or the defense was on our side of the field. Like, I, there was a lot of attacking from opposing teams. And just how many times he made one great play after another, whether it was a striker, you know, or it was a, 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 a corner or it was a penalty kick, like just his ability to make timely um, saves when he needed to, in order for that team to be successful. Yeah. Easily a fan favorite. Oh man. Vito's were, were chanted across the stadium. Just, just a great dude. And, and he, he like fueled off that too, which is awesome. He always, he always had the, the fans going, but it was, I mean, it was pretty clear to see he was the keeper of the year. He was fantastic. And ever so sad that he didn't come back the next year, but I still like our goal. Our goal, like goalkeeping, is pretty good for what what happened last year. Well, that was my big worry was that we he he goes back to Europe and like that's a big void, and then Dane St. Clair steps in. So what do you like about him? At 23 years old, he had 13 starts last year. Yeah, young kid. I mean, he only lost two games in his 13 starts, uh, and he led the league in clean sheet percentage. And he was fourth in save percentage. So, I mean, this, this kid is for real. I thought he, he looked a little quirky out on the field. Uh, he always made some weird movements and stuff. But a lot of times, those odd movements, you know, created good saves. And I'm not going to fault him for it. But he just he brought a lot of energy in the back. And not very experienced. So, I'm, I'm just I'm curious to see where he can build off of this last year. And curious to see what Heath decides in terms of, is he going to keep going with St. Clair, who is coming off a fantastic year, or is he going to go back to, to Miller, who was the guy they originally signed to be the starter before he got out um, with his injury? 
I'd be surprised if St. Clair wasn't out there. I mean, unless he has a, a run of games where, you know, guys are knocking in three, four, five goals against him. I, I think, you know, he had a lower goals against per 90 and a, a higher save percentage than our buddy Manoni in 19. And he won keeper of the year. So, yeah. you know, a 23 year old coming on, I, I think he's going to be a, a mainstay in this defense. And, and the core of that defense, you know, beyond goaltending, in 2021, that defense that brought success the past season returns with guys like um, Brent Coleman and, and Michael Boxel and Romain Metinier and, and Chase Gasper coming back for another go around. Hey, so, don't forget Debassi. Yeah, Debassi and Billingsley <laughs> will also return to the roster for 2021. Um, he spent most of 2020 on loan with a USLC team in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Lights. So, Billingsley did or who? Billingsley, yeah, 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 yeah. So thinking about those guys, the guys that we know are going to be on the field. Yep. <laughs> what, 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 what's your hope for them? Do you think we can continue the success we've had in 2019 and 20? I do, and I, I think we're, I think we're even built a little stronger now. I feel like we were a little thin last year, and you could kind of see it towards the end of the year. We got kind of gassed, but our back four is is strong. I mean, it's it all starts with Boxel. Like that guy is just a brick shit house. <laughs> Yet at the same time, he's probably one of the fastest center backs in the league. He really is. He's he, he can keep up with any any striker. So he's so great. He's so level headed. He gets it. He's he brings a captain mentality. Whether he's got the armband or um, Ozzy does, which I'm sure Boxel's going to take it over now because who knows how much field time Ozzy's going to see. Yeah, Romain Metinier. But both Metinair and Gasper are really great at doing what they're asked. And that's basically get the ball up the field and get the ball into the 18. Both very good at crossing. Now, we, as, as we've kind of mentioned before, we haven't been great at putting the ball in the back of the net. So we're getting those crosses in there, but we need to start finishing on them. But our back four is where it all starts. We, we kind of play a counter-attacking offense. So they, they defend hard, defend hard. Our possessions you know, bottom six in the league. So just by that, you can tell we're, we're defending a lot. And I, th I feel like they do their job well, considering we're, we're top 10 in goals against. So I, I believe know, in these guys. And so I think one of the big question marks then, and I believe in them too, Isaac, but is Ikopara. So our, our center back, he missed all but two games last year. He had a concussion the year before, I believe. I mean, he was a really important part of the defense in 2019, a two-time MLS Defender of the Year for Sporting Kansas City, and he hasn't well, played in more than a year now, right? I think he was one time in Kansas City, one time in Minnesota, right? So, so he won it in 19 for yep. Minnesota. Right. Um, there you go. A recent fan versus a fan <laughs> from the start. Um, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, he hasn't played in more than a year. He has an undisclosed injury illness. There's no timeline for his return. Yeah. I, I do think, though, that he could be, based on what I saw back in 2019 when he was the MLS Defender of the Year, he could be the spark if things fall into place that leads the defense from good to great. But nobody knows what's going to happen with him. It, it'd be, we need some clarity. How many, how many sports do we, do we get to be uh, just have an unknown about whether a player is coming back or not in the, in the U.S.? <laughs> I don't know, like one year of an undisclosed injury illness. And then they ask Keith about it and he's like, yeah, we're not sure. <laughs> yeah. It's like, how does, how is that a thing? I feel like in every other sport, it's like, you have to have an injury and you have to have a designation and you have to have a timetable. And it's like, nope, he's just, 
he's just out. <laughs> so strange to me. But I, I totally agree. I think he could bring the spark. It'd be interesting to see how he plays since he's been off the field for so long. But, I mean, he's, he's someone who talk about, you know, getting the ball in the back of the net. Super dangerous on set pieces. Corners, free kicks. That's a guy we need in the game. So if we can get him back, that it truly is going to be a huge spark because you know he can he can put the ball in the back of the net a few times. We'll see. Hopefully it doesn't remain undisclosed all year long, and hopefully we figure something out, or he just comes back. <laughs> you know, well, if he were to come back, and if Abila and Hansen are the guys that we think they might be, and maybe we make another signing um, on the attacking end, and St. Clair proves to be the guy that we we saw in 2020. You, this is going to be a team, I think, that's going to be fighting for another top four seed in the Western Conference. I mean, it's a pretty competitive Western Conference, but they're they're solid. Do you think we're going to be able to see them in person? Because Bert told me that somebody might have been looking for tickets. Oh man, yeah, the the ticket thing was it was kind of a joke. Uh, the, so what happened? Well, basically, they had they had two time slots for for members and like I think the first time slot was for like the Atasca Society which is like a higher membership level but basically in both time slots they had a set number of tickets I guess and they were sold within like five minutes both time slots so I logged in like at I think my my time was at two I logged in at like two I don't know 220 215 something like that and it let was me guess up. let me guess a meeting ran late yeah, I had work, so I maybe should have logged in while I was in the meeting. But um, but they were only selling tickets for the first two months of the year, right? That's yeah, first first four games. There was like a, there was like a package deal, so they're gonna do them by packages, and then they're gonna have supposedly a single game pre-sale uh, in a few days here. I'm not sure what that means because. I mean, maybe maybe they have an extra set of tickets set aside for that, but I believe there's only 5,500 tickets for these first set of games, according to Minnesota COVID yeah. precautions. Well, we've got 34 games this year, and I think you know a lot could change between now and say July or August. And the 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 loons they they open up um, next Friday, April 16th, uh, 8:30 p.m. Central and FS1 against Seattle. And then they'll be playing for the first time at Allianz Field on April 24th against Real Salt Lake. And I can, you know, I, I know we have some soccer fans in the audience, but for those of you that, you know, maybe this might not be the best year to get in to experience what it's like to be at a soccer game in, in St. Paul. But I've been to U.S. Bank Stadium and I've been to Target Field, which is a great experience, by the way. And our obviously Target Center, we've had season tickets and, you know, I've been in downtown St. Paul watching the wild at XL and the saints even at CHS, but going to watch the loons live, if you can get there, whether it's this year or next is something that you really got to take in and you got to be there in person to understand like how special it is. It's the best fan experience in Minnesota, in my opinion. Easily. I would second that. I, I would wait though on that just until the stadium's full again, because once the Wonder Wall is truly rocking, like it's amazing. It's it's ninety minutes of just complete joy and the fans being completely into the game. And I even like it's better than the Vikings. Like 
so much better. That's probably sacrilege for a lot of people that are that are, that are <laughs> listening, Isaac. But I do think that you need to get into the stadiums and experience them for yourselves and then make yeah. that informed judgment, which I, I do agree with. So that's our Loons preview for the year. Um, this is a team on the up and up. So if, if you've been thinking about maybe what else could I do during a pandemic, um, Give Minnesota, them a United, Minnesota United is a reason to turn on your television. All right, everyone. Well, that's going to conclude our, our podcast tonight with the, the end of the, the Minnesota United preview. And with that, we bid goodnight to our audience. Isaac, take us out. Hope you guys enjoyed the pod. We'll hope to be back again next week and be safe out there, everyone.